0: Well, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know what your identity is in him? I'm thankful that I'm not a nobody in the kingdom of God, but I'm a somebody because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Most of us live like we're a bunch of nobodies, but God didn't raise us up to be a nobody. He raised us up and empowered us to be a somebody in the kingdom of God. And the church is going to be powerful when when the people of God finally wake up and discover that I am somebody in Christ. I have the power of God living in me and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Call me to be weak-kneed and just barely get by. He called me to be powerful. He didn't call me to be depressed. He called me to enjoy life. He didn't call me to be discouraged and frustrated. He called me to experience the abundance of, of, of his blessings in my life. He said, well, yeah, but if you've been through what I've been through, listen, I have been through what you've been through. At, on some level, in some way, I've been through what you've been through. I've been through some things in my life I never thought I'd ever have to go through in my life. But you can't just throw up, throw in the towel and quit and say, I give up and I'm I'm done and I'm finished. No. Why don't you stand up and square your shoulders and say, Lord, I know in myself I can't do this. I don't even have to try to do it in my own self because I have the power of the living God living within me. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. These negative thoughts that have been reigning in my mind and in my heart, i command them to go in Jesus' name. They cannot take up residence in my mind. I have the ability to take every thought captive and to destroy it in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't have to live that way. I don't have to live down and out and under. I can live above because of Jesus Christ. You've got to know who you are. Let me tell you something. If every time something goes wrong in your life, you fold them, you gotta know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. If every time something bad happens in your life, you're gonna be folding for the rest of your days. Listen, it sometime you gotta call a bluff on the devil and say, you may not know what I'm holding in my hand, but I know what I'm holding in my hand, and it's more than sufficient to take you out of this game right now, big boy. We have the ability in Jesus Christ to be overcomers. It doesn't happen magically. It, it doesn't, you know, somebody doesn't come up and spit on you and draw crosses on your forehead and it all just automatically happens. No, we, ha- we have to take the word of God and we have to speak the word of faith. And when we do that, let me tell you, there's nothing the devil can do to harm you because we are In Christ, amen. So, you got to know who you are. Now, last week we talked about how that we begin finding our identity through the new birth. We are born into the kingdom of God. When we are born naturally, we are created in the image of Adam. But through Christ Jesus, we are restored to a place of creation. Where God said in the creation process, let's make man after our own image. And when we are born again, when we come into the spirit, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. When you are born again, you have the ability to gain access to all of the blessings of the kingdom. They're all available to you. When you are adopted into the kingdom of God, you're not adopted in as an infant. You are adopted in in full standing as an adult child in the kingdom of God. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. The instant that you are born again, you have the availability of the kingdom of God and its powers to reach out and take them and apply them to your life. So when we know these things, then we can live and walk in our identity. So it begins with a new birth. Today we're going to talk about what kind of an animal we are. Look at your neighbor and say, what kind of animal are you? (coughs) What kind of an animal are you? In Scripture we discover that we are identified as sheep in God's flock. You know, I don't know why it is, but through the years when people come to the realization that God calls me a sheep, I don't like that for some reason. I don't want to be an animal, don't want to be a sheep. But we are told in Scripture that the family of God, the people of God, are sheep in the eyes of God. So there must be a reason for that. Well, let me begin by sharing with you that In the Old Testament, Israel was identified as God's special flock. Jehovah identified himself with Israel as their shepherd. Psalm chapter 80 and verse 1 tells us that Jehovah is the shepherd of Israel. And then in Psalm chapter 100 verse 3, it describes Israel as his people. Whose people? Jehovah's people his people, and the sheep of his pasture. In Psalm chapter 77 and verse 20, it says that God led them like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. In other words, he appointed Moses and Aaron to oversee his flock, which was Israel, his special people. And he, and he asked Aaron and Moses to shepherd them, and then in Psalm seventy-eight, when God called David, who was an experienced shepherd, He asked them to be their king. So, in in the function of king. He was shepherding the nation of Israel at the command of God. And he did it with the experience of being a shepherd. Micah in 1 Kings chapter 22 verse 17 says that he saw all of Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have no shepherd. And then in Ezekiel chapter 37 we learn that today, the, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, are scattered throughout all the world. They're here and there and everywhere. They're no longer confined to the nation. <clears throat> to the geographic location of Israel, but they're scattered all over the world. But there's coming a day when Jehovah is going to bring all of his special flock back together and he's going to gather them uh, and they will spend eternity with him. So in the, in, in the Old Testament, the, the, the nation of Israel is considered to be the sheep or the flock of, of Jehovah. But then when the New Testament comes, Thank God that God, through Jesus Christ, decided it's true that I've not abandoned Israel, but I'm also going to graft in the Gentiles. Look at your neighbor and say, you may not know this, but you're a Gentile. Everybody who's not Israeli, everybody that's not Jewish is a Gentile. So you and I are Gentiles today, but I don't mind being a Gentile. Because a Gentile has been invited into the family of God through Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament, you had to be an Israeli in order to be, or you had to be Jewish, an Israelite in order to be a member of the flock of God. But now in the New Testament, we are all a part of the flock of God. Now, now, what does that mean exactly? What what does it mean to be a sheep? I mean, I think about, look at me. I don't, I don't look like a sheep. But I am a sheep. I are one because God calls me one. Well, there are some things about sheep that we need to understand. And the first is that sheep are clean animals. Now, here's what I mean by that. that I don't mean that they don't ever get toe jam between their toes. I, I don't mean that they don't ever get insects in their ears. I, I don't mean that they don't ever get mud on their coat. They're an animal. They live outside. They can get nasty. They can get dirt on them. But what I mean when I say they are clean animals, I mean that they are accepted by God to do a holy work. They were created with a holy function in mind. Because in the Old Testament, it took a sheep to go to the temple and to be forgiven of sins. The sheep had to lay down its life for the shepherd. But in the New Testament, the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. Aren't you glad to know that? They were acceptable animals. They were acceptable to God. When someone sinned, they they would get a sheep, and they would put it on the altar, and God would say, I will accept this as a sacrifice for your sin. There were times that people didn't have sheep, and so there were other animals that were accepted by God, But, but there were some animals that could not be taken to the temple. For instance, you couldn't take a dog to the temple and offer that as a sacrifice to God. We said, well, you have never seen my dog. He's pretty special. Hey, you, it, it wouldn't work. I don't care what kind of dog you have. Because in the day, they were considered to be unclean animals. Pigs were unacceptable. So they couldn't take a pig into the temple for, for the, the remission of their sins. So there were certain animals that were not acceptable by God. But the sheep was Aren't you glad today that we're not identified as dogs in God's kingdom? Aren't you glad that we're not considered pigs in God's kingdom? How many of you like Chinese food? Aren't you glad that in America they have laws against using cat meat in Chinese food? I'm not saying that some of them don't do it, I'm just saying. I'm going to tell you right now, if I went into a Chinese food place and they said the, 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 the special of the day is, is stir fried cat meat, I'm, I'm going to find another place to eat. <clears throat> you know why? It's because we consider them to be unclean animals. But God says, I'm not, I'm not putting you in with the dogs and with the cats and with the, and with the pigs and with the uncleans. No, my people, my sheep are clean. They are acceptable to me. I receive them to myself. I'm going to take them and though they are acceptable, I will make them even more so acceptable because they won't just be a, an animal in my kingdom, but they will be a son and a daughter of God. Amen. So We are clean before God. Sheep are relational animals. Sheep know their shepherd. And the shepherd knows his sheep. John chapter 10 verses 14 and 15 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then in chapter 10, verse 5, it says a stranger will not, uh, they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. So sheep are identified relationally with their shepherd. I have a video I want to show you. If you can bring the house lights down so they can see the screens, this will explain it much better than I could. One more time! i <laughs> You will never have the same again. The sheep know the shepherd, and the shepherd knows the sheep, and they follow after the voice of their own shepherd. Let me ask you today whose voice are you following? What shepherd are you in, in, in relationship with? The scripture tells us that it's very important that we watch and be careful of the voices that are being spoken into our lives. Listen to what Matthew chapter 7 verse 5, 15 through 20 says. It says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Did you hear that? In sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. It doesn't say you'll recognize them based on whether or not they're standing in a pulpit. It doesn't say that you'll recognize them based on whether or not they have a TV show on TBN. It doesn't say that it says that these false prophets will sneak into the church, and their goal is not to help and edify the church, but is to take the church into an area of false teaching and to destroy the church. They are agents of Satan. You say, well, how can I know? The scripture says, look at the fruit of their life. Well, they made a mistake. They, they fell short. Okay, did they repent? Are they now living a life of holiness before God? Or are they still pulling the same junk that they were pulling before? I'm just asking questions this morning. You don't have to throw darts at me. I'm just saying as children of God, we have the ability, the right, and the responsibility to use discernment when it comes to people that are speaking into our lives. I don't care if they're your best friend. I don't care if they attend the same church that you do. When, one, when somebody starts saying to you, well, if it feels good, do it. It's okay. You need to take exception with those kind of voices and say, I got to tell you, I can't go by the counsel I'm getting from some of the immature Christians in the church. I got to get my walking orders from the Lord. I got to get my walking orders from the shepherd who knows me and knows what I need in the time of my need. So are relational people. Thirdly, sheep are dependent animals. Several years ago, I heard a preacher preaching about sheep and the sheep of the flock, and and he made this statement. He said, sheep are dumb animals. And I didn't like it. It didn't sit well with me, Jerry, because I am a sheep. And I felt like that he was telling me that I was dumb. Now, you may think I am. I'm not as dumb as you think I am. I, don't, I just don't think that sheep are dumb animals. What I think is that they are dependent animals. There are some things that sheep cannot do. They can never do. For instance, they cannot defend themselves against prey. If a lion comes after a sheep, they're dead meat unless the shepherd comes to their rescue. They, they, they can't find their way to green pastures unless they are led. Sheep will stand in one spot and eat grass until there's nothing left, even, even the roots gone. They'll just eat it all the way down because they, they're dependent upon the shepherd to say, follow me to the green pastures. Follow me, I will lead you to where you wanna be. You know, I, it, it, in the church, we, we sometimes miss victory because we are so accustomed to eating the same Pentecostal meal that we've always had. <clears throat> pastors just know that, well, if I can get them shouting, bless God, I mean, we'll have church around here. I'd sing some of those fast, you know, hard beating songs, and we'll, well, I won't have to preach very long today. We just, and we get so caught up in tradition. It's not just Pentecostals, but it, it's every kind of denominational structure that there is in the face of the earth. We can get used to and accustomed to certain expressions and things of that nature, and we just think, well, as long as I can get me a little taste of that every now and then. But listen, what if God says? I'm going to do something different today. What if God says, I want you to sing a new song unto me. What if the Lord says, I'm going to take you to a new place and a new season in your life. In order to get to a new place, you've got to do something new. In order to get to a new place of victory, you've got to do something different. But we can get so settled into our tradition and so settled into our past that we forget that God has greater things in store for me. I'm so glad that I'm not the same pastor that I was 35 years ago. I, I've seen some of my sermon outlines and they're not good, let me tell you. I, I, I'm thankful that the Lord has helped me. And I know some of you think well, they're still not real good, Pastor, but let me tell you. <clears throat> let me tell you, if you think they're bad now, you should have known me 30 years ago. Amen, Sister Donna? Amen. Took her a while to get there, but she eventually agreed, it's true. It's bad stuff. I try not to preach heresy, but every now and then, when you get a temperature of 103, you start preaching things that aren't in the Bible, and you need to take a step back and say, I should have taken a day off today. But what I'm trying to say is, is that God leads us in a new direction. I don't lead churches the same way I did 30 years ago. I don't use the same principles that I used 30 years ago. I don't use the same methods that I use anymore. I tell you, I've had to accept technology. I've had to learn to use it because I can't even get in touch with some of you unless I have Facebook and can run you down on Facebook. I have to tweet some of you just to get you to answer me back. Some of you, I can text you, and I know it'll be three days later before I hear from you, and I'll call somebody and say, well, you tell so-and-so that I texted them so they can text me back. I mean, I have had to learn how to change my methods in order to do ministry in this day. doesn't mean it's, it's bad because we use these things. We have to accept some of the tools that God has given us. But if we still tried to do ministry today the way that we did it 25, 30 years ago, it wouldn't work well. How would you like it if all of a sudden I decided I'm going to home visit everybody in the church and I am not going to tell them when I'm coming. I'm just going to come one day and knock on your door and stand there until you let me in. Little pig, little pig, let me in. I can hear you saying now, not by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. And I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll pray the Holy Ghost to blow your house down. That's all right. You still ain't coming in. I mean, we just don't do ministry that way anymore. We just don't. I don't want you coming by my house anytime you want to. I might be in my night shorts. I might be wearing some UK attire. You U of L fans would lose confidence in me. I try to wear UK and UL at the same time. That way I can keep everybody happy. What I'm saying is, is that we're dependent upon God to move us where we need to be moved and to put us in a position where we need to be. Can I tell you something about when God moves you somewhere where it's going to benefit you and grow you up and mature you, it is very seldom ever a happy place to be. Do you hear that? God's not interested in just making you comfortable. God wants you to be conformable. And in order to change you, he sometimes have to throw you down on the railroad tracks in order to get you praying like you ain't never prayed before and to get you seeking his face like you've never sought him before. If we are truly dependent upon God, then we must be willing to do what he tells us to do. What scripture say? Jeremiah chapter 10 verses 23 and 24 says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Did you get catch that? Yeah, yeah. Correct me, O Lord, but in justice, not in your anger lest you bring me to nothing. You know what Jeremiah is saying is? You don't have any ability within you to make the right choices when it comes to direction in your life. <clears throat> because when we do that in the flesh, We use our fleshly minds and we use our fleshly hearts. And when we use our fleshly minds and our fleshly hearts, we're walking in the flesh. And when we walk in the flesh, we cannot simultaneously be walking in the spirit. So what I'm telling you is, is that if you're fearful today, you can't be fearful and and simultaneously be full of faith. One of them's got to win. And the one that's going to win is the one that you take authority over. Did you know you can take authority over your faith and say, well, I know I need to be a person of faith, but I just don't want to do it today. I'd just rather shoot my mouth off and talk about how bad everything is and how much I hate my husband and how much I hate my wife and how mad I am about this. And I hate politics and I hate, and I hate worms and I don't, I, don't like, I don't like anything today. Did you know that you can choose that? You know what? Would you notify me on the day that you choose that? Because I don't want to be anywhere near you. I want to be around people of faith who can say, yes, I know I have challenges. Yes, I know that I've got physical limitations. Yes, I know that I've got situations in my life that are trying to steal my peace. Yes, I know that I have relationship problems. Yes, I know that I have money problems. But hey, God, I know that I am not living this life in and of myself. I have the power of God in me. The word of faith is in me, even in my mouth. (coughs) I had... um, had a situation happen this past week. And uh, the, the awning on our new camper was, uh, had a little tear in it. And so I thought, well, I don't want, I don't want something that's got tear in it, so I'm going to call somebody to see about repairing it. And the guy said, well, when did it happen? I said, well, it tore a little bit in the wind and all that. And they, they said, you got insurance? I said, yeah, sure do. And they said, turn it in your insurance. Said they'll pay for it. I said, well, praise God. I called the insurance company. I said, will you pay for my awning? They said, sure will. That's why you pay your bill every month. And I got to thinking, I like insurance companies. (laughs) I looked at my truck and there was a big chip right in the middle of the windshield where I have to look through. And on the left-hand side, there is a crack that just kind of snakes its way down. So I called the insurance company back and I said, it's me again. Say, yes, Mr. Baker. I said, I'd like to make another claim if I could. They said, well, this getting to be a habit. I said, yes, it is. They said, what do you want now? I said, I want a new windshield. And they said, well, it's $500 deductible. And I said, oh, no. I said, I have read my policy. And I know what my policy says. It says that I get one a year. And they looked and they said, well, sure enough, you're right. Said, would you like to make a claim and get a new windshield? And I said, well, yeah. That's the reason I called. And so they, they're coming out tomorrow to put a new windshield on my truck. I, hear, I can hear some of you doomsday sayers now. Yeah, but your premiums will go up. and, and you know, Hey, I don't care. They're going to go up anyway, whether I make a claim or not. That's the reason I pay the stupid bill every month. And God blesses. God helps us. My wife. I mean, we, we, we get paid this week. How many of you every now and then don't have as much money in your checking account as you'd like to have? Can I see your hands? And, and we've kind of had to take some things and do some things that we don't typically have to do. She sent me a little text and she said, uh, by the way, she said, don't buy nothing <laughs> until we get paid. She said, nothing big. I kind of looked at the checking account and I said, hmm, she's right on, spot on. And I texted her back and I said, no problem. Don't forget, baby, we're tithe payers. So I'm not worried about it. I'm a tithe payer. I don't worry about our finances. I'm a tithe payer. I don't worry about what the world can throw my way because the Lord said, if you bring all your tithe into the storehouse, you can test me and try me and see if I won't pour out a blessing upon you which you cannot contain. I'm a tithe payer. So I don't have to worry about it. He leads me. He directs me in his ways. And then Jeremiah goes on in chapter 17. He said, blessed is the man. Say, blessed is the man. man. Who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious. Say, I am not anxious. Amen, I anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick and who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And if you wanna be blessed, you gotta put some seed in the ground. So I thought you weren't going to talk about money today. I never said I wasn't going to talk about it. I said I we're going to take an offering, but I'm not even talking about money. If I want to have a good attitude, I've got to sow some seeds of positive words. I get so tired of somebody coming in and seeing something and saying, "Well, it could have been better." You know, it's okay. Man, I don't know, it might have been better. You know, it could have been this and could have been that. Don't you want to just be like Muhammad Ali and say, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee? I'm taking you out in the fourth round right now. I mean, if we want to have a positive life, if I want to have a positive relationship with my wife, I need to speak positively to her. I need to say things to her that will help her know and understand that I love her and care about her. If I want to have a good relationship with this church, I've got to speak positively and produce an environment and an atmosphere that is permeated with the positive. We have to do it. And then there's another thing about sheep that we need to understand. They are useful animals. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 Paul is talking to the church at Corinth because there are some in Corinth that are upset because their, their pastor is receiving some funds from the church and they think he ought to work for free. And so Paul is correcting that situation and he says this, who, who serves as a soldier at his own expense and who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? So he's saying that if you sow into something, you have a right to benefit from it. Sheep are useful animals. The shepherd does not want them sick. He does not want them lost. He does not want them slaughtered because they bring benefit into his life. For instance, they bring milk. I don't particularly like sheep milk, goat milk, whatever. I'm I'm, I'm a 2% kind of guy, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But if the shepherd takes care of the sheep, he should have a right to benefit from the milk of the sheep. They provide wool. Well, who do you think, how do you think they get that wool off? That sheep has to be shorn every year. They don't kill the sheep in order to get... The, 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 the wool off, they do it very carefully. Why? Because they say, hey, we want this sheep to live. We want this sheep to be healthy because he will produce not only this wool, but he will produce more wool and he will produce more wool and more wool. So the shepherd took care of him because the sheep was useful to the shepherd and then the sheep have babies. I've always said the, the best way to grow a church is the way the Dean family does it. Just, got, just keep having them. You know, maybe it's your turn. He said, but pastor, I'm 85. That's okay. Ask Sarah if it can be done. It can be done. You want to have another one, baby? Uh, every woman in the house sitting by there going N-n-n-n-n-n-n-n. getting that move on look, you know what I'm saying? Move on, Pastor. The sheep provide young and they're able to take them to the market and sell them or to trade them and they get money in. Their flock is useful. How many of you know that God did not connect you with this body just so that you could be a consumer? He brought you here so that he could use you to do ministry in this local body of believers so that people's lives can be touched and edified for him. And if all you're doing is just sitting on a pew from week to week, you're not living in the fullness that God has for you. I love you. But God didn't call you just to come in and consume a little bit and then go home and you're never seen again. God called you to find your identity and your ministry and your gift uh, and to involve yourself in the work of the kingdom. I don't know, Pastor, I'm awfully tired. (laughs) I don't know, I work all day and by the time I get home, I got this and I got that. Listen, I'm not asking you to come here and stay all night. But there are times... That there are things that need to be done and they can't be done by the pastor and the pastoral staff. I'm so thankful that this week we had people who rose up and came and did things that needed to be done. I'm not a very good finished carpenter. If I had to work on these things back here in the nurseries, I mean, they'd really look ugly. Let me tell you, they'd look bad. But I don't have to worry about it because we have people who are gifted that way. I'm not gonna call any names but we have people who are gifted that way. When the air conditioners went down two weeks ago, I didn't have to worry about that because I know we've got people in our church that know how to fix them. And they'll just come in and fix them. They're useful to the kingdom of God. When we have any kind of electrical work in our church, we have people that knows how to fix them. When we have things that need to be done in the body of Christ, God has given you your talent and your ability to use for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ. We need you. If this church is going to be everything that God intends it to be, we need you. 1 Corinthians 9, 7, I already read that. And sheep now, the last point here, I'm getting ready to quit. Sheep are gathering animals. Sheep like to be together. Yeah, I remember... I remember feeling like at one time that I wasn't all that excited about being with people around the, the body of Christ. But, and the reason was, is that I wasn't living the way that I should have been living. And when I wasn't living the way that I should have been living, I didn't want to hang out with sheep that were. But when I'm living in the fullness of Christ, I want to be with some other sheep that are being blessed by him. I want to hear what God is doing in your life. I want to be here to pat your back and have you pat mine and and edify one another with our words and and, and love one another with the love of Christ. I want to be a part of a gathering of, of party animals that know how to live in the fullness of Christ. The nature of sheep is to be with other sheep. They want to be close to other sheep. And sheep are most vulnerable when they are isolated. If the wolf can get a sheep out to the side of the flock, he knows that he's easy prey. All he has to do, you know, I can tell. I'm telling you, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, I don't, don't think I'm mad at anybody or upset or anything, but I, I just got to tell you the way it is. I can tell when people in our body are struggling spiritually because they don't come to church. The first thing that happens is, is they start backing away. They start, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just stay at home today. I'm feeling a little tired today. I've got other things I need to do. And so they start, they start isolating themselves from the body of Christ. The scripture tells us that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Such is the habit of some and especially in the last days. Well, I'm going to tell you, if we're not living in the last days now, I don't know when we'll ever see the last days. I believe Jesus is coming again soon. I need you like I've never needed you before. So assemble and gather together. And then finally, and I'm quitting, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23, if you will. I have good news for you today. I think you're going to really get excited about this. First of all, we talked about how that Israel in the Old Testament was the flock of Jehovah. And then we've been talking about the characteristics of the flock that belongs to to Christ and then we see in Psalm chapter 3 that he is Jesus is our shepherd he is I, I'm not I'm an under shepherd he has appointed me and anointed me to under shepherd his flock just like just like Moses and just like Aaron but he's your shepherd Listen to the benefits that come to you when you discover that you are a sheep of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Say, I shall not want. want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Say, green pastures. Not dead grass. He leads me beside still waters. Say, still waters. waters. He restores. Yell, restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Say paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me. Say you're with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Say that. Your rod, your staff, you prepare a table before me in the you before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that cool? Just think about everybody who hates your guts. Think about everybody that doesn't like you. Think about everybody who's out to get you. And the Lord calls you to a prepared table and allows you to sit in their presence but I don't want to be around them. Oh, no, he's not getting you there so that they can throw sticks and stones and break your bones. He's putting you at that place so that they can see that this individual is a child of the Most High God and he is served by God himself. You anoint my head with oil. Say, you anoint my head. My cup overflows. Say, Overflows. I don't have just a little drip in there. No, it just constantly overflows. I don't have to go back and refill it. I don't have to go back to the well because there's a living well that lives inside of me and out of my belly flows rivers of living water. Surely, surely, confidently, without a doubt, No question about it, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Aren't you glad about that today? Stand with me if you will today.